Welcome to Gold Digging, a podcast where we dig for nuggets of gold from friends and family and inspirational figures close to our brand and ourselves. So um, I'm just going to warn listeners that um, my <laughs> guests are so enthusiastic about life that they, uh, they, they, they may be turning up your dial to 11 without, without you touching it a thing. So I think you're getting the gist of it already. Oh, no. So it uh, gives me great oh, no. pleasure to welcome Jesse and Hanover, the founders <laughs> and, uh, and the business of The Mighty Company. So welcome to Gold Digging. Thank yeah. you. Excellent. <laughs> obviously, you're American. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> okay, but, great, great. But I think, I think, you know, I met you in California. And when I met you, you just seemed like everything Californian, right? Oh, it's, no. That, that's oh, not God. a bad thing. That's a great thing. It's a positive, Is it? brilliant, you know, you've got this enthusiasm <laughs> for life, and, which I love, which often is missing in English people. They're a bit more reserved. But... Uh, but now you've made London your home. I need We're to know. transiently you here. Know, cold, wet, rainy old London. As yeah. As opposed to sunny LA. We're trying to infuse it with the it's, sun. It's, it's been work. We, we've wrangled the sun a yeah. large portion of our Yeah, we brought it. Well, one thing that's so funny about that is Jess and I both grew up in LA. We're both born in LA, grew up in LA. So the sun is such a novel, like it's not a novelty test. It's just a part of existence. And when I first started traveling here, I was like, where's the sun? Like when we were here the whole month of November. Well, we didn't see it for a week. We didn't see it, it was for very one disturbing. straight week. And I had never experienced something like that. But also there's something kind of nice about not having to get in your car and you can't breathe and it's so hot all the time, which is just a part of existence. It's a nice little break, I feel like, from, from that. When you've lived your entire life there. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, I lived in Santa Barbara for about four years. And okay. And I remember that well. It would be like, can something happen? Yeah. Just something. Like, Some change. And it's they, just they so threatened. stale. I remember at the time, because this was like years ago, and they would say the chances of precipitation, which we'd never heard of, right? <laughs> right? It's just called rain. Right? So the chance of precipitation are like 10%. You're like, oh, no, that means there's no chance. Yeah. But if it got up to 40, you'd really want it to rain, wouldn't you? You'd be yes. like... Yeah. Willing those clouds over the mountains. Yeah, there. the like four days a year it rains, everyone's really excited yeah. about that. But also then there's kind of chaos because no one knows how to drive in the rain or how to, the city's not built for it. No one, everyone like goes crazy when it rains. They don't know like how to respond to the apocalypse. it. Apocalypse. It's pretty funny. So the Mighty Company. Yes. Right. Um, obviously I know what the Mighty Company is, but maybe you can explain a little bit about how it started. Who does what? <laughs> okay. The Mighty Company is a leather jacket company primarily. It's evolved to a few different things since then, but I started it a little over four years ago because I wanted to make something that was a very permanent feeling piece in apparel and um, fashion that didn't just easily go away. And the leather jacket just is always been there. And feels like it always will be and you pass it along generationally or you give it as a gift you never really get rid of it and so to me that's the ultimate in sustainable fashion is something that you just was that important 
that yeah. it's sustainable as well. Well, so. all of my background was in visual art, and you feel like visual art is very permanent. You would never throw a piece of art in the mm. trash. Even if it was on a screen, it just feels like it can live forever. And most art is like that. So that felt very strange, that fashion, which I do think is meant to be this incredible art form feels well it's fast fashion everyone's accustomed to that so people don't even think about how important the making of a garment is anymore like think about the times when you would save for months for one dress and because you only had a few dresses i mean obviously i'm talking hundreds of years ago but you put the importance of of the art of making a garment on it that it deserves and now you don't have that someone thinks something is expensive if they just use ethical wages to pay their workers because you have to sell it for more if you use fair wages but people then think it's overpriced because people like now it's just so normal to have something that is someone's okay. underpaid to make yeah, yeah. so anyways those are all factors that i thought and a lot of brands are doing this now obviously because i think our generation is a lot more aware of what's going into things and some aren't but you know i think it's a lot more than it used to be maybe 10 years ago or five years ago even but for me i didn't want to make something that could then go away in a year even if it was really well made too because then let's say you have all those factors and it's really well made but then it's something that if you wear the shit out of it because you love it like a silk button up or something it's gonna start to fall apart and that's fine but that's also kind of sad so in its own right so i wanted to make something that had that side of it, it and then and that also could age. get better with age which a leather jacket is one of the only things that gets better with yeah. age so um that was how that happened and then the side of so it could have been jeans yes sure yeah yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Less a, a t-shirt or something, but like, you know, that, your boots, Dr. Yeah. Martin's boots, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Any of those things. Those are, th I would say those could be relatives of uh, yeah. that thing. Yeah, yeah. So then obviously there's a whole side of things of how we source materials. We all, we use all byproduct leather and things that are part of just like the ethical core values that we have. But the thing about the leather jacket though is a little bit too boring for us so we and it's amazing and classic but we wanted to make things that people would always stop you walking down the street wearing because it made them happy yeah. and we just wanted to make things that were happy and so that was that's kind of the See, basis that's, that's of the, the collection <laughs> yeah I mean, it's like, yeah again that's a positive because <laughs> in England we would want to make it something that makes you miserable <laughs> Maybe really that, depressed I but I love that I mean everything you've said you know I, I think and also there's that sense there's that it stands for something doesn't it if I can check it stands for something even before like you say as a canvas for you it's just a canvas yeah so yeah you apply yourselves sure. to to that canvas and but even with my my biker jacket that I had from my punk days yeah, yeah. I, I've still got which um I still I only really wear on my bike though, don't I? I don't really walk around with it much. But I had <laughs> need to, to see this jacket. Yeah, well, I had to, I had another one I'd forgotten about. But when I was preparing this, I was thinking, God, this was the second one I had because my first one, my brother gave it to his friend who was living in our garage. 
And I'm like, why? He gave me my jacket. He said, well, he, did, he didn't have any clothes. And it was, it was cold. But that's so interesting that you've had that for so long. It just is testament to the fact that, you know, yeah, you no, don't no. really get rid of the no. leather jacket. And, and I've got a few things like that. They would fall into the category you're talking about where, you know, like, for example, I have a long Vivian Westwood, like, Frock coat, you call it? I don't know. It's <laughs> a pinstripe one. I've had, I've had it for like 20 oh, yeah. something years. Okay. And my friend Mick Jones from The Clash gave it to me as a gift because yeah. he bought it and he said, It doesn't suit me. I think it will suit you. And I've <laughs> had that repaired so many times. I've had new, I keep the lining because it's got Vivian Westwood like the Stonehenge lining. So I've got to keep the original, but it's oh. almost like gone to this incredible, like Miss Havisham with the fate, with the curtains of. <laughs> dust. I've had the collars, the cuffs, the pockets done. I've done so many things, and it's every like right now. I'll start to wear it soon. It's November, and you get it back out, and everyone goes, "Wow, that's really cool, that jacket." Oh, that's amazing! It's got a story about it that long. That's it. So it falls into the same category. Yeah. all the design creative direction um i'm actually just a bit ocd about all the visual aspect of everything so i shoot everything and oversee all the design on the website we have staff that help maintain the day-to-day -day, but i basically oversee everything that's visual and then have a large hand in the business and hanover runs the whole business um, primarily so and she also overlaps into visual like we obviously consult each other about everything yeah. we are one soul at this point we've yeah. merged that's but why when Jess was in London I had to yeah, get on a flight quick that must have been awful <laughs> <laughs> well have you ever read Harry Potter no have you know what a horcrux is? Definitely not. Well, it's a very evil type of magic, but that's us. Basically, I joined Jess about a year after the company launched, and um, we had the store in Melrose, and I sort of like helped her establish and, and do that. And then we like were getting all of these wholesale inquiries. So we started out just like direct to consumer, and we're gonna stick, we were gonna stick with that because of our price point. This jacket would retail for like $3,000 in like the standard markup situation. But because it's direct to consumer, we could sell something like this for $1,500 because we're like cutting out the margin. So we like stuck to not doing any wholesale for a really long time. But then as I came on and there was so much interest, I sort of like headed up how we could, how we could do that and still keep like the ethos of the brand and our price point and not compromise any of the quality while working with retailers, which we've been able to do. That's amazing that you've, because a lot of businesses, you kind of rely on, on that sort of network of a wholesale. Yeah. To get your distribution, yes. to get your name out there. You know, I, I know when I started this business, it was, you know, that was the model. Yeah. You know, but things have changed so much yeah. now. And, and I think... And I, what you've just said is very interesting. You know, that, that jacket through, through that model would be $3,000. Right. But you can sell it for $1,500. You've obviously got to sell it yourself. Yes. And Which then, is all a challenge in itself, obviously. Yeah, yeah, the reason yeah. that you would sell to trusted retailers is a customer goes to Saks or here Harvey Nichols or something because they trust that they're going to have what, you know, a brand that they'll like and, 
And so you have to like prove that to your customer base yourself. Yeah. So do you have special things that you say that's just, we, we only will sell that? Yes, we and do then that. And you've got other collections or whatever that you're wholesale? Yeah. A large portion of our collections we have exclusively on our site. Right. So we can completely be in control. Is that your best tool? Yeah. Your e-commerce? Yes. A hundred percent. Do you, I mean, I've been to your store. Yeah. And, and as soon as I walked in the door, you had me dancing. <laughs> and I we did for Dancing? I was very forward on you. Not, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you want about. to dance? <laughs> it I wasn't came, so much a do you want to dance, it was a, you're going to dance. Yeah. Pick and a song. It was David Bowie. I can't remember what. It wasn't Let's Dance, was it? No, no it, it was wasn't. Watch That. Yeah, Watch That Man. Yeah, it was yeah, Watch That Man. Yeah. Insane. yeah. Anyway, so do you not have the store now then? No, so our lease ended. It was right. two and a half years. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of amazing timing because basically, well, actually during the whole pandemic, obviously all stores have been closed. And then in LA, there were, you know, all of Melrose, there was like a lot of protests and there was looting and things like that. And our store literally was across the street from Adidas, which got complete, like, it would have been yeah. really hard to have inventory during that time, this time. Or friends who are neighbors. Yeah. Got, got their whole store got looted. So Anyway, so obviously we have insurance that covers all that, but it was it was, it was a nice. bit serendipitous yeah. to be out of there right before. Yeah. Well, because also we've been basically on tour for the last year with all of our wholesale accounts opening in here and in the U.S. So we've been flying around supporting all those launches. So it was kind of a good... Uh, timeline of yeah, yeah, events yeah. that happened that way. But right now we're not exactly itching to open a new retail space, at least in LA. We wanted it there because that's where we're based, but yeah. everything is still closed except for curbside yeah. pickup, yeah. mostly there. So. I, I need to connect us because otherwise it's just like you're a couple of really great girls <laughs> I've got in, in, the, in the place and you're digging for nuggets of gold. So, so yeah, I, right when we met. When we met, yeah, because because then I had my store on a day of drive, mm -hmm. right? And then you did, did the, the windows, yeah, yeah, for right. Women's Day. Was that, it for Women's Day? It was for Women's oh, Day. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, we have still a bunch of pictures from that. So we just did, we put all the jackets in the windows and styled them with our favorite pieces of Sue Webster jewelry. And it was yeah. pretty amazing because we picked all the colorful ones and we put some rainbow jackets in the windows and yeah, it was a good it pairing. Looked, it was great. It was a really good way for us to end. We were in, ending our time there, like we'd had 10 years lease. Right. And I, and I think when I first opened that store, I had these massive windows and, and they weren't very good for jewellery, you know, they, they yeah. were somewhat too big. So, and I can't rem remember why I thought of it, but I thought, okay, this town's full of stylists. So let's just every month give a different stylist the, the window to do. And then the only thing that they've got to use, if they're going to use jewellery, I didn't tell them they had to, but if they did, then it would be Stephen Webster's yeah. jewellery. So people did, and we had some amazing windows. I remember once yeah. we did the launch of um, D-Face's book, face the street artists and um we gave all the upstairs and no regrets lounge to like some street artists to just paint 
and they did the windows, they wow. did the walls, they did, and then in the front window on Rodeo Drive, we have this artist called Judith Supreme, Supreme or something like that. It's a guy, but and it had a painting of a baby smoking crack, and it was called <laughs> Crack Baby. <laughs> And, and when, when the windows open, I'm like, fucking hell, this is like <laughs> the Beverly Hills police are going to have something to say about this. It's enormous. It's like this kid, like, you know, a baby smoking a crack pipe. Everybody stopped and stared because it was outrageous. Yeah, so we had some really good ones and then ended with yours. I, wish, so. I don't think we talked crack, baby. Though. Well. Yeah. yeah, so that was, I think, about a year and a half into the business, so... The jackets are amazing. I love them. I love all of the that you put into it and the fact that it's something that people are always going to keep. You're never going to go, oh, yeah, I've had enough of that. You're going to keep it or, or hand it down. Yeah. yeah which yeah. is so brilliant. So what, what was your big break? I think the first big break we had, well, we were launching. We tried to keep the sock conservative. We were just launching on the internet. I think that's California conservative. <laughs> are you, are you, you're just meaning by volume. Yeah, to. volume, yeah, yeah, volume. Right. Not, you would never describe us as conservative. No. Um, you, it was you, not me. The inventory about yeah, right, conservative. Yeah. Um, because we were just launching on the internet. We weren't launching in any big store or anything. It was just direct to consumer. And... Then we launched, and that first week was kind of a crazy whirlwind of a week because we'll be launched, and then Vogue.com ran like an exclusive story on the launch, which I, I don't know. Imagine just building an internet site, a web, why don't I keep saying internet, <laughs> a website, and just putting out, shooting it, and just putting something out. You were kind of like, this, this is the same as like an Etsy store or something. And in theory, obviously, we were trying to make a superior product to anything else out there that was like a luxury amazing product but it was just kind of like an experiment at the same time and it's not like you were partnering with any big corporation or something and so that was like a huge moment because I was just like this you know visual artist or like freelance graphic designer beforehand I was like okay well this is cool and then the New York Times covered it in their um, fashion section in the actual print version all my whole family's like east coast like Jersey Jewish family, right? So they're all like sending me photos. It was definitely like a surreal week and then some of those bigger publications were happening, but it was just like a weird... Do you think that was because of the way you did it? I mean, or, or was it like yeah. the, the, the product or the way that you go about everything? First of all, you were like, you are best friends, seems that. Yeah. You make your business <laughs> night that you enjoy every moment. Yeah. I think at the moment you probably still are, are you? I mean, a, a lot of it. <laughs> And, yeah. and then you have all this success. And I watched the way you put it out there. I mean, you know, when, when you were over late last year and we were doing your Harrods launch. Yeah. And then we were watching all the little bits of videos you do, you two skipping <laughs> around Harrods. It was so great. Yeah. And that, is, is that part of the drive, do you think, of the success of it? The, the way that you do make it look like you're just these friends having fun doing yeah. business. I mean, that's a hard question. I'd like to think that'd be a part of it, but I can't imagine us doing it any other way because Jesse and I are very passionate about like doing what we love and enjoying what we do. Also, we one thing just to touch on like the direct-to-consumer thing is that we're so in touch with our customer because of that, where you like miss that with if you launch originally yeah. with retailers, yeah. that we know what they want. So it's very like rewarding creating things that 
people actually are going to like. Well, also we see the emails or the DMs and all that stuff. But a lot of that filters through us are Instagram well, people wearing it, tagging it. Again, we try we're really trying to make things that just make people feel better. Yeah, we just want people to feel really good and feel like the best version of themselves. Please, like. Bear in mind that there's so many days that are really dark and depressing because we're not, we don't have also someone just telling us what to do. We have no idea what we're fucking doing half yeah. the time. No. So we're, we we're just... making it up as we go for sure. Yeah. Especially when life throws you curveball, like what everyone's experiencing. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, yeah. like when all of this happened, like a lot of businesses, we were just preparing to go into like a shelter for, and just try to wait it out until, you know, we could survive again because we knew all of our stores were closing. We knew, we knew we would survive it because we're like cockroaches, you know, and we, <laughs> nothing could kill us, but we didn't know how yet. And we were just trying to wait it out. Yeah. And, you know, and then we, we had such a crazy year that actually turned into such a fruitful year for us because we got to go back to those direct consumer roots and had our actual, our biggest year financially that we've ever had this yeah. year which is so strange and bizarre but it was just yeah. because we pivoted and like got did all these different things but i think like my point is is that within the excitement that we have um there's so many days that are really scary too but we're never both down completely at the same time yeah. so we try to pick each other up all the time and i think that's makes it so much easier when you have someone like that yeah, who just yeah. has your back in anything, but especially in business, a lot of people don't have that. No, no. Yeah. I, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Whether you do enjoy each other's company so much as well as being in business together. But right. I think when, when I was saying all that, it wasn't, I knew that you're really good at business. Of course you are. You know, you're very successful. But it's the way that it comes over is that <laughs> business can be fun. Like, and we do it this way. It does. You know, of course, it's probably going to be more dark days than bright ones. I don't know. But... All the things you've said, first of all, it's really authentic. I mean, your clients wouldn't want to right. be posting, reposting, doing all things if they thought that this wasn't an authentic brand, authentic yeah. product, everything. I think, and that's what sort of comes over, I think, that you're not faking this. And to be honest, you know, some of the things that you were talking about earlier, whether it doesn't matter if it's fast fashion or just expensive fashion, it doesn't matter about these, this, this place where fashion had got to just before this period, yeah. this this idea that there was like seven seasons in a year yeah. Yeah. And, and, and creative directors committing suicide is because it's it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, first of all, there's not seven seasons in a year and and the amount of, of webinars I've heard since this sort of like the pandemic, if you like, is that people just want to go back to something that, was, that wasn't that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think it feels like there's a moment. Well, so, we felt even caught up in that and instead of what we originally wanted and what we've tried to stick to, which is letting a product breathe and letting it exist and not be so fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I worry about like, okay, by the time the next season's released, you're designing this season. And now this is get going on sale when you barely had a chance to like put, you know, really give it like the weight it deserves and like actually like appreciate it for what it is. We've definitely like taken a step back from that. Like we've said this year and just focused on direct to consumer. And it's been nice because we're like, should we put like make something and put it up? We can just make it and put it up. Like we don't have to like think about, well, like, oh, okay, well that's on sex and they want to do this with that or this. Like, it's just so, it's just, yeah. it's nice. No, I like it. Yeah. 
it's so strange that something would be sold for a shorter time than it has been developed for. Yeah. So if we've spent so long developing a product and it's not even in a store for as long as the development period. So you, you've had a great year and you've spent a lot of it here. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> We've spent... As, or does it just feel like you have? I don't know. No. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being rude. I'm no. Just, uh, <laughs> being rude. <laughs> no, well, we were here in January before everything happened because we were here for like fashion week, basically, because we were in Paris and then here. So you can run your business from wherever you are. Yeah. Well, yeah. right now, the way it is... But that's in the world. As well. I think it makes it yeah, which right. is a very modern business, right? Yeah, and we like manufacture a lot of our um, recent stuff in Los Angeles, so we needed to sort of be there because we developed like this casual collection, which is just sort of made for the work from home situation, which is like sweatpants, sweatshirts, t-shirts, all of that, and we make all of that in LA. So Jesse and I were both there to like fully do that operation and, yeah. and make sure that it was the way we wanted it to be. Do you find that at these times, because there's, there's obviously anxiety, there's uncertainty, you can't not have that because, you know, every day someone's telling you something you can't do or you can yeah. do again now. Do people go back to, a, to your classics? Do you find that they're, does it change people's buying habits? Well, basically, we launched face coverings masks at right. the beginning. We used to use this material from Malia Kent, which is like this, really amazing French mill. They make like Chanel's tweeds and stuff. And we had like all of this excess fabric that was from samples and things that we had never used that had been in storage. That we'd been saving. That we'd been saving for like something, we didn't know what. And it's amazing, like very like luxurious, like it's like looks like Chanel tweeds. Like it's beautiful, crazy material. And we were like, let's make, let's try to make some masks out of this material and face yeah face coverings and we did that in i think may the beginning of may or end of april mid mid april and we were like let's like just make enough that will like last us like a month or something and then those sold out in 24 hours basically the entire thing it just like was so we underestimated the demands yeah yeah but and so that's and then so we were like okay like let's get creative with this and then just like did the mighty way of face masks and then but that's such a lower price point that it kind of like opened the door to all these new customers for us and who we who've either always like wanted to buy something from mighty or just discovered us through that it just really opened up our customer base which then converted them into they're they're if you're gonna buy like a kind of crazy face masks like you you've got like some you know you've got some you've got mighty, the freak flag in you yeah yes. we call it the freak flag yeah the freak flag the freak flag the freak flag yeah well we we like to like let our freak flag is there a motive that um no, it should be like a freaky yeah we haven't made we haven't developed that yet but <laughs> we're gonna we'll work circle back yeah so if you are buying a mask like that then maybe you have a little freak flag in you so so the long answer to your question which is why i went on the mask thing is that a lot of people started buying our jackets who were first time customers of 
jacket customers. And then we had the customers who repetitively buy Which we our didn't collections. see that coming because during this time, everyone was working from home, staying inside. We didn't think the jacket sales but would. the increase. jacket sales were like one of the highest. Isn't yeah. that amazing? High yeah. Thing. Yeah, but you know, people were still allowed out. Yeah. yeah. Still going to walk the dog. Yeah. Still yeah. Dog. Gotta look good walking the dog. Yeah. Going back to your masks and you were right, you donating the money to a charity, yeah? Yeah, basically, well, I don't know if you know this, but like in Los Angeles, it's actually the law, like you have to wear a mask if you leave your house. Right. In England, it's totally different. When I first got here, I was like, what's going on? Walking down the street, you have to wear yeah. a mask. But, um, so the demand was so high that we felt like we needed to like do something to like give back if we were gonna be selling these. And there's this homeless shelter called the Midnight Mission in Los Angeles. And for every mask that we sell, one is donated because they actually, we reached out to them and said, like, are, do you, are you guys okay? Do you need anything? They're like, masks. Like, we need masks. It's like really, really important in our community and we're, we don't have access to it. And so right away we just started. So we manufactured one for them for everyone we sold. It was also at the beginning, no one, a lot of people didn't have access to masks because yeah. everyone was overbuying them. So we were making them so we could give them to them where they're sold out everywhere. Yeah. We're just doing everything we can through the business. Exactly. Using our platform personally and professionally to, you know. Well, it's amazing. I'm so uh, happy that you've had a great year. That's, a, that's really worth smiling about. Thing. People have changed their habits to us. Yeah, how? Well, because I don't think we are like the go-to jeweler for bridal jewelry. Okay. Right? We're yeah, more like sure. the go-to jeweler for Halloween. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and so, as much as we try to change that, it's futile, right? It just doesn't work. We are that jeweler. Yeah. And but since this lockdown, we've done more engagement rings. Than uh, we've ever done before, wow, which has led. I'm thinking, okay, now these people with their freak flag, because <laughs> oh yeah, them. you guys have a lot of freak flag in yeah, you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but it's interesting who flies the freak flag. Yeah, <laughs> never it really is. Thought about it before. We're like, okay, we need a place that people can go. Yeah, to look at Stephen Moses bridal jewelry because oh, we, we wow. started to pull in all yeah. this stuff we'd made for like. A lot of it for well-known people, like, you know, Pink and Christina and Madonna and, and all these famous people. We made their engagement rings, wedding rings, like. So we created the No Regrets Chapel. <gasps> and it's it's a place now where you're going to come and get married if you want. Where is it? You know, well, first of all, it's going to only be on virtual, but I think that's okay these days. I'm going to become ordained. Okay. Oh, Which my you God. can do. You can do on the internet. Okay. Oh my god. So no. when you're ready, you're gonna get miss... married in the No Regrets Chapel. By you. By me. Okay, this that's pretty much the yeah. best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> anyway, look, I wanna I wanna thank you both for being great guests. I knew you would be. So well, keep flying the freak flag. We will, yeah. you guys too. It's always, you know, we, it's we, our pleasure always getting to be with you guys. Pond, we'll join you back in the sunshine. Yes, we can't wait. Right, thank you. Thank you.